Hey there, future fans. This week, we embarrass ourselves in front of our boss, we steal from the rich and give to ourselves, and a bird is the word that dominates one guy's life. This is the week of September 13th, 2019, and you are listening to episode 150 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show that's right we have made it to episode 150 if you remember from last week i said that future flicks with billiam got its start its first episode on june 16th 2016 and that this whole podcast was based off a blog idea that ann gave me and look how far we've come since then. Uh, I remember the first blog, and I think I did three a three-month span or the first quarter of the year or half of year, and I just wrote down all of them, and then I did a snippet about the best one for every week, I think. Well, some of you have been with me from the beginning. Some of you may just be tuning in, so just in case you are just tuning in for the very first time, welcome. Welcome to the show. There is no bad time to start listening. And thank you for starting with the most recent episode, because this podcast is really topical. You don't really have to go back and listen to the backlog. It's not like Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle, where there is some like really great banter that you would miss. And the Watch Your Mouth podcast, too. And our brand new friends, We're Doing Fine, Throbbing Lisa. All of those shows, they're all worth going back and listening to all of the shows from the very first one. Though if you ask the, um, the Watch Your Mouth crew, they will tell you not to go back and listen to the first one. I think they said start when Critter starts, which is in the 20s or 30s, I think. But with this show, hey, if you do want to go back to the very first show, uh, just don't tell me so I won't be terribly embarrassed because uh, I don't like going back and listening to myself. I, I don't like listening to myself right now let alone any other time. It really does strike me that I am now at episode 150 and there's still people who want to listen. So thank you very much. We are bigger than ever. Are we close to making money? No, not really. But there are still listeners out there. And even though only a handful of you ever have commented or answered the question of the week, I still thank you for listening. Let me just give you a quick rundown of the show in case you're new. If you are new, this is Future Flicks with Billiam, and on this show, we do a few things. The show always starts out with a little bit of rambling, which you've already heard. Then it goes on into the news section. That's any new news that has caught my eye since the last episode. Then we go into the trailer trove. Any new trailers have caught my eye since the last episode. If I miss something you think I should talk about, just let me know. You can find any all the ways to contact me, either in the closing housekeeping or the show notes. We then go into the movies, which are broken up into two, count them, two, one, two categories. The first is the limited release section. The second is the wide releases and interesting indies. In both of these sections, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it. And that is where the limited release section stops just because they didn't do enough to catch my attention. So I will just tell you the bare bones of it and then we'll, we will move on. I then give you some thoughts. I tell you what my thoughts are based only on the trailer 
and then I give it a score, which I call the Billiams Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score, which goes anywhere from a 0 to an 11 for those movies that kick it up that extra notch. The last movie to get an 11, I actually know it this time because it was just last week. That was It Chapter 2 because I am super excited. Still haven't seen it. I'm going to see it on my next set of days off. It will be great. Well, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let us jump into the first segment, which as always is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. This first story comes to us from People Magazine. John Chu, director of Crazy Rich Asians, stands with Crazy Rich Asians co-writer Adele Lim, who left the negotiation table in talks for coming back to write number two. And why did she walk away? Because of pay disparity. The white writer, Peter Chiarelli, I believe is how you say it, was offered a lot more money to return as a writer and Adele Lim felt like she had to take a stand for both women and minorities, aka the more PC term, people of color. And I really liked the way John Chu handled this. He, he handled this very well. And not with kid gloves, really. He did say he supports Adele Lim. He says, while he would love to have her on the sequel, he supports her stance and applauds her for holding it. But he also says, don't get angry. Don't give Peter Chiarelli any sh because basically it's not his fault. Chiarelli offered to split his pay with Adele Lim just so they can get an equal amount. And while I bet Adele Lim appreciated that, she wanted more from the powers that be instead. So she has walked away from the negotiations table, but ladies and gentlemen, as you know, this is Hollywood. Nothing is set in stone. She could return. And there are some interesting points to think of when it comes to this pay disparity. Like I, I would understand if Peter Chiarelli was some really big writer. Like he had written a bunch of blockbusters, a bunch of Oscar winners, and then of course pay him more than you than you would for Adele Lim, who've, who's written a lot of TV. I would understand that. But Peter Chiarelli has written one, two, three, four, four movies. And Adele Lim has written for 12 different TV shows, including classics like Las Vegas, One Tree Hill, Private Practice, and uh, The New Lethal Weapon. So if you guys know me, you will know that I I change my stance on stories like this, but it, it depends on quite a few things. It depends on does the person really have a claim to be outraged? And that's why I really wanted to read the story and look into it more. And th so that's why I believe Adele Lim does have a reason to be upset. She has more experience writing than Peter Chiarelli does, even though it is for TV. So all in all, I do see where, where the, all this is coming from. I, I really do. Our next story comes to us from Games Radar. You all know you wanted it. I know I did. We are now getting a reboot of the movie Face Off. Okay, I lied. No one wants that. No one at all, but we're getting one anyway. The only thing we know so far is that Oren Uziel, who wrote movies like 22 Jump Street, The Cloverfield Paradox, and the upcoming Sonic the Hedgehog movie. He will be writing the script. This has been given the green light by Paramount, and that is all that is known at the time. The story was first broken by Deadline. Our next story comes to us from Metro. Um, you know what? I thought this was kind of obvious. But then I realized it's probably only obvious for people like you and me, who are up in the know of movies and who keep up with things. Well, the news that has broken that 
a lot of people are talking about is that Joaquin Phoenix's Joker will never come face to face with Robert Pattinson's Batman. Well, no sh**. Okay, A, the DCEU is technically defunct, so we're not going to see a lot of crossovers anymore until they try to do something new and un what they've already f***ed up. And also, the Joker movie has always been its own thing, has always been separate. Because this is a mo just a movie featuring a different take on a popular villain. I'm not even sure if Batman's going to exist in this Joker's world. Our next story, I just really selected to make fun of it from some website called Newsy and a writer named Casey Mendoza. Casey Mendoza, if you're listening, did you just not have a good idea for a news article? So you just came up with some obvious bullshit and wrote about it? Because this say, experts say Netflix's theatrical debuts are just token releases. No shit. We all know Netflix is only releasing a lot of these movies in the theater to get, yes, the money from the people who do want to see it in theaters, but also so certain movies of theirs can be nominated for awards. Because old ass like Steven Spielberg, love his movies, but he is an old ass at this point, are trying to keep streaming services from being eligible for awards, so they do release them in theaters. If you didn't know that, now you know. This next story comes to us from Entertainment Weekly. There's a new Harry Potter movie in very early pre-production, and... Certain key players will be returning to reprise their roles in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Normally, I would love, I, I would love, love, love more Harry Potter. Yes, give me more. But Harry Potter and the Cursed Child was one of the worst books I've ever read. Okay, let's keep in mind that it was a stage play first and then the script was released. But God, it's awful. It is so bad. Everything about it is so bad. That J.K. Rowling should be embarrassed of herself that she even did this. For the first time in my life, I may skip a Harry Potter movie in theaters. This next story comes to us from Flickering Myth, and they're asking a question that I too am wondering. Should Disney just put the New Mutants movie out of its misery? If you're confused and don't remember, yes, there was a New Mutants movie that was planned by Fox starring people like Anya Taylor-Joy, Macy Williams, Antonio Banderas, Charlie Heaton, and it was an action horror movie based on the comics with Anya Taylor-Joy playing Magic, Macy Williams playing Wolfsbane, Henry Zaga playing Sunspot. But at this point, yes, Disney should just take everything else that Fox was going to release and just throw it away and just start fresh. For all the people involved in this movie, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you put all this work into something and it's not going to see the light of day, but Fox was having a terrible case of bed shits and shit the bed so hard with any, with any Marvel property that I think that Disney should just play it safe, scrap the movie entirely, or put it out straight to Disney+. Plus. Technically, the movie still has an April 3rd, 2020 release date, but we will see where that goes. This next story comes to us from Insider. This is about the Painted Bird. It made its premiere at the Venice Film Festival, and its controversial and, frankly, uncomfortable and horrific material caused multiple, massive walkouts. The Painted Bird focuses on an abused young Jewish boy trying to flee the Holocaust. So, you know, only a book turned movie about one of the most horrific events in human history and 
focusing on the abuse of a young boy, which includes brutal rape, bestiality, incest, and torture. I'm not even going to go into my usual rant about, about sex, rape, and things like that in movies. I'm not. Instead, what I'm going to say is that who the f*** read this book and went, yes, this will make a great movie. Look, I get it. There's a lot of very important stories out there, very hard to listen to, very heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching, emotionally disturbing stories out there that need to be told. And even though this movie, this book is a work of fiction, I I do get that shit like this happened. And I do understand that we need to tell these stories. But why this one? Like, what the f*** was the author thinking when he sat back and wrote this shit? Except for a very few, very small, luckily, group of people who don't believe the Holocaust existed, except for them, we all know what kind of horrors went on in the Holocaust and, and during, the, during World War II during that time. True, we will never truly know as we weren't there, but that doesn't mean we need a movie like this to come out. So I'm, I'm torn. I really am because I understand the need to tell these stories. I understand that. The Boy in the Striped Pajamas traumatizing so far i'm reading the or listening to the tattooist of auschwitz so far that's really f-ed up you saw a lot of horrors of world war ii in chris and hannah's book the nightingale which was a fantastic book but none of what these people covered in these books even come close to what it sounds like the painted bird covers so i guess somewhere out there is a very select group of people who who don't mind this and I'm not speaking ill of any of you. That I, I get that. Sure, I, I could understand that a movie like this, a movie so graphic and gory and so so disturbing can exist and you can see it. You can watch it. You can see it as a lesson. You could see it as a piece of art. But for me, I would rather watch Fox's worst superhero movie all day from waking to the time I go to bed all day than watch this movie once. If it's anything like the reports are saying, I don't need that in my mind. Our next story comes to us from Slash Film, and it's not really a story. It's just something that made me smile. Rapper and now director 50 Cent said that he would do the next Marvel movie if it doesn't require too much of his time. He says, obviously, fully joking. And part of this same article that is just talking about funny little Marvel-related things, Spider-Ham is getting his own five-issue comic miniseries called Peter Porker, the Spectacular Spider-Pig. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for the news. Let us take our first break and hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. So please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, we are back. We are back with everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to the Trailer Troll. So the first trailer we have to talk about is another new trailer for the movie The Lighthouse. I missed the first one in the trove, but this is an indie horror from A24 starring none other than Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. It's a story of two lighthouse keepers on a remote and mysterious New England island in the 1890s and how they slowly go crazy cooped up together. Robert Pattinson plays the new lighthouse keeper that joins that joins Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe's previous partner 
fellow keeper went mad and claimed that the lighthouse, the light of the lighthouse was cursed or something. And this movie is basically about them going crazy. It's in black and white. And normally I, I'm iffy about movies in black and white because I always wonder why, like really what's the point. But with this, I really think it adds to this desolation, this feeling of desolation of the void, the nothingness that they experience. And I think this looks really good. And we will see it in theaters, probably a limited release on October 18th. Next up, folks, we have the final trailer for Dr. Sleep. And yes, please give this to me now. Not only does it have the amazing Ewan McGregor in it, it also has Jacob Tremblay, Rebecca Ferguson, and Bruce Greenwood in it. And I am so excited. This looks really good. If you're unfamiliar with it and didn't hear me talk about this when the first trailer came out, this is the sequel to The Shining, Ewan McGregor plays an now older Danny Torrance, and Danny now meets a young girl with similar powers to his, and he tries to protect her from a cult known as the True Knot, who prey upon children with powers to remain immortal. Their salvation, for some reason, lies in the same place where Danny's father went crazy years ago. It just looks really good. I am I am so excited. Even if it wasn't Ewan McGregor, I would be so excited for this. This comes out November 8th. The next movie in the trailer trove is one called Hearts and Bones. This stars Hugo Weaving, and it is about Ben, who is a... I'm sorry, I should probably say Ban. So Ban is a war photographer and has and has a pretty big case of PTSD. He meets a man, a refugee, from one of the areas that he did some took some photos in, and they start to form a bond. But then they realize that there's one picture that Hugo Weaving's character took, and this picture could destroy them both. What really jumped out at me about this trailer was that Hugo Weaving looks fantastic in this. And the other man who is named Andrew Lurie looks great too. This looks well acted, beautifully shot. This looks like a superb film, but something that's going to be super, super heavy. So not up everyone's alley. And another thing about this is that I don't know when it's getting released. It was released in Australia on June 15th, and I cannot find an American release date. It was released in Canada at the Toronto Film Festival on September 7th. But other than that, I I can't find anything else about this. So just keep an eye open if you want to see a pretty heavy drama with a fantastic performance from Hugo Weaving. Next up, we have the trailer for Bad Boys for Life. This is the third movie in the Bad Boys series. Returning to reprise their roles are Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, as well as Joe Pantliano. Uh, We also see Vanessa Hudgens in this, and that just sold Anne on this. And it has DJ Khalid, who you would know famously, of course, from Pitch Perfect 3. Not returning as director is Michael Bay, and I'm, I'm actually torn about this. Because in my opinion, the Bad Boys series is one of the few things Michael Bay has done that was good as far as directing goes. Uh, I also liked The Rock. I liked Armageddon. So when a Michael Bay movie is getting a sequel, and it was a Michael Bay movie I liked, and he's not helming it, I'm, I'm not sure how to feel. I'm not sure if I'm relieved, because if you look about it, Michael Bay's good movies were done well before the travesties that were the Transformers series. And, oh, he's a producer on it, but the um, Ninja Turtles, all of that stuff is a lot more recent. So maybe it's a good thing, or maybe we need Michael Bay helming a movie that he actually knows how to do. The trailer just promised more of the same when it comes to the Bad Boys series, and what else do you want? 
Next up, we have the trailer for the remake, another remake of Black Christmas. And no, this isn't a Tyler Perry original movie. The first Black Christmas was in 1974, the first remake was in 2006, and now we have this one. And frankly, in, at least in my opinion, it's too early to tell, because this has a good cast. Imogen Poots and Carrie Elways, they're good. I like them. But... This isn't a movie that needed remaking at all. The only benefit it has besides the two main stars, the only benefit it has is that it's actually coming out in December. So it's a movie that's Christmas themed that's actually coming out the same month as Christmas. God bless whoever chose a release date for this movie and not having this movie come out in f***ing November before f***ing Thanksgiving like so many of these other f***ing Christmas movies. If you are new to the show, welcome to one of my biggest pet peeves. Next up, we have a trailer for Gretel and Hansel. And yes, this is exactly what you think it is. This is a, a retelling of Hansel and Gretel, but it looks like, okay, so it looks like someone took the story of Hansel and Gretel, took the movie The Witch, and applied the same look and feel from The Witch to Hansel and Gretel. Some of the trailer looked really good. Some of it looked really cheesy and I'm just left not knowing what to think. It has potential. It really does. But I'm not sure if it's going to meet that potential just because it seems like some of the scary parts fall short. Next up, we have a trailer for a movie called Scarborough. Oh, uh, Black Christmas actually coming out December 13th and Bad Boys for Life comes out January 17th next year. Okay, now let's talk about the next movie, which is Scarborough and I... I, I don't know. I don't know what to think. It What the f***? Okay, so here's the basic premise. Two couples, each comprising of a teacher and student, spend a life-changing weekend at the seaside resort town of Scarborough. So I'm going to make a couple... I'm, I'm going to make a couple assumptions here. My first assumption is that the students are in high school and not of legal age. Because it still would be frowned upon, a, a teacher and student sleeping together. I get that. But there's nothing shockingly illegal about it that they would have to go to such lengths to hide their relationship one couple is a male teacher female student the other is a female teacher male student the female student is played by jessica barden who you would know if you saw things like uh, penny dreadful and the end of the world and she's 27 but she can still look like a kid she is young looking enough that she can convincingly play a high school student uh, the whole thing just seems creepy to me but Honestly, the only reason I talked about it at all is because Anne gave me the suggestion of coming up with a a playlist on on YouTube and just putting new trailer trailers in it as they come out. And I didn't even look at it when I put it in the playlist. I went, okay, here's a new one. Bop, done. Maybe I should have watched it first. Just maybe. Next up, folks, we have a movie to talk about called Just Mercy. This stars, let me see, Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx, Brie Larson, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Tim Blake Nelson, and Rafe Spall. And this looks super, super good. In this movie, Michael B. Jordan plays Brian Stevenson, a, a real-life person still alive, who founded the Equal Justice Initiative in Montgomery, Alabama. And when I was watching the trailer, I was assuming this was taking place in the 60s, 70s. But this takes place in 1994. And he went to or opened up a practice in Montgomery, Alabama to help people of color who were either wrongly convicted or given a harsh sentence that normally wouldn't be given to a person 
of the age they were when they committed the crime. So people under 18 doing a crime and getting a harsh, harsh sentence. And so this movie is about him going into this area, trying to help these people, and how a lot of the racists in the area didn't like no colored folk coming in and trying to undo their white justice. And I think this is one of those movies that I'm really going to like. It, it looks super good. It looks really, really well acted. Michael B. Jordan, Brie Larson, Jamie Foxx, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Tim Blake Nelson. I'll say their names again. A fantastic cast. Uh, the only issue is it's probably going to be one of those movies that makes my blood boil. A movie that's going to shine a light on injustices still going on today, but with a silver lining around the cloud showing us that there is hope, there are people working to change things. This is going to be a heavy and hopefully uplifting movie coming out January 10th. Oh, with, with early showings starting in December of this year. Next up, we have a film called Lucy in the Sky. This is a sci-fi drama starring Natalie Portman, Zazie Beetz, John Hamm, Dan Stevens, Nick Offerman, Jeffrey Donovan, Ellen Burstyn, and Tig Notaro. And another one I'm excited for. I, I love sci-fi, and this one is more realistic sci-fi. It's about an astronaut named Lucy Cola who returns to Earth after a transcendent experience during a mission to space and begins to lose touch with reality in a world that now seems too small and all she cares about is getting back up into space, but she's met with nothing but resistance. I have to be honest, there are certain scenes in this trailer where I did not recognize Natalie Portman. She, she has transformed herself. And John Hamm plays a familiar character, the really handsome guy that maybe you just can't quite trust. This is the first movie directed by Noah Hawley, who's usually a writer. He wrote for TV shows like The Unusuals, Legion, and Fargo. And hey, it looks like he did a good job, and it looks like he got a great cast to work with. This movie comes out October 4th. Next up in the trove, we have a movie called Sometimes Always Never. This stars Bill Nye and Sam Riley, and it's about, well, let me just read it straight from, straight from the IMDb's, a detective fantasy and family drama where a love of words helps a father reconnect with a missing son. So Bill Nye's character, Alan, one of his sons has gone missing, never been solved, and he's getting older and he wants to find out what happened. So him and his other son go on a mission to find out what happened. A very basic plot, if, I, if I've ever heard one. But there, there's something about the magic of Bill Nye in this role that, that makes it look so, so good. And his character in this looks so steadfast and stubborn, yet ultimately vulnerable, that I, I think that only Bill Nye could have brought this to this movie. There's no set release date for America. This was released in June in the UK, and it only hit America for one film festival in San Jose. Jesus, that was right here and I missed it. But keep your eye out for this. It may not get a bigger theater run. It may just come to streaming or DVD, Blu-ray, but, but keep an eye out for it. It looks cute. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the trailers. Let us take our next break and we'll come right back and get into the movies. Please stay tuned. Nerds in a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds in a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds in a Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds in a Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. 
then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomeoneNerdy.com. All right, welcome back, everyone. You heard a word from our friends at Nerds of the Squared Circle. Well, let us get into the limited release movies. And the first movie we have to talk about is called The Harvesters. South Africa, Free State Region, isolated stronghold to the Afrikaans' white ethnic minority culture. In this conservative farming territory obsessed with strength and masculinity, Jano is different, secretive, and emotionally frail. One day, his mother, fiercely religious, brings home Peter, a hardened street orphan that she wants to save, and she asks Jano to make this stranger into his brother. The two boys start a fight for power, heritage, and parental love. This is a South African movie, which I don't doubt that there really is a struggle for power, heritage, and parental love, but I also get the feeling that there might be this weird undertone to it. And I don't mean weird because this undertone is going to be gay. I mean, it's weird because this woman's trying to make them brothers and it looks like they, there's this awkward, do we want to hate each other or do we want to f sort of thing going on? And so normally if you had that in the movie, fine, whatever. But this fact that they're, that, that the family's pretending that they're brothers is just really weird. So no, thank you. And it's not just that, that this movie was in the, in the limited release section. It's also that it just looked eh. So let's move on to a movie called Haunt. On Halloween, a group of friends encounter an extreme haunted house that promises to feed on their darkest fears. The night turns deadly as they come to the horrifying realization that some nightmares are real. This stars Katie Stevens from The Bold Type, Will Britton from Everybody Wants Some, Lauren Alyssa McLean from Ant Farm, and Andrew Caldwell from iZombie. And for this movie, just picture, uh, do, okay, do you remember Hellfest? That, take that movie Hellfest and then take the movie The Houses That October Built and have it, have them mate, they bang, and they have this really odd baby. That's what this movie is. Next up, we have a documentary, the first of two documentaries called Moonlight Sonata, Deafness in Three Movements. This is a deeply personal memoir about a deaf boy growing up, his deaf grandfather growing old, and Beethoven, the year he was blinded by deaf... <laughs> I said blinded. Blindsided by deafness and wrote his iconic sonata. Okay, I feel for this kid. I really do. So the, the director of this movie is the kid's mother, and obviously his deaf grandfather is the woman's father. So I feel for them. I do. I am not heartless, but I do have to look at this as a movie, and it looks like she just stretched really hard to make some sort of artsy bullshit connection, so nah. Next up is a documentary called Liam Gallagher, As It Was. This documentary follows Liam Gallagher as he attempts to make a solo comeback. And most people say, who? Okay, the last part was me. But whenever I see any documentary or anything about Oasis, it made them seem like they were the new Beatles. So any of you out there, tell me, especially if you're from the United Kingdom, especially if you're from anywhere there or in Europe anywhere, tell me, was Oasis that big? Or were they just like bands like The Cure who, who did get sizable and had a rapidly devoted fan base but never exploded? Alright folks, next up we have a movie called Freaks. A bold girl discovers a bizarre, threatening, and mysterious new world beyond her front door after she escapes her father's protective and paranoid control. 
This stars Emil Hirsch from Speed Racer, Lexi Kolker from Shooter, the TV show, Bruce Dern from Nebraska, Amanda Crew from Sex Drive, and Grace Park from Battlestar Galactica. Quick note about this one, good news is there's nothing creepy but between the father and daughter. Yay. But also another quick note, the trailer seems to hint that the girl has powers and then that's why the father's keeping her hidden because government's hunting people with powers. But the IMDb synopsis and every synopsis I've seen doesn't hint at that at all. So I actually have no idea what the f*** is going on. Next up, we have a film called Depraved. A disillusioned field surgeon suffering from PTSD makes a man out of body parts and brings him back to life in a Brooklyn loft. This stars Joshua Leonard from The Blair Witch Project and Maria Dizia from 13 Reasons Why, so you can tell this is going to be a real gem. No bullshit, this is a retelling of Frankenstein, and it looks terrible. Next up, we have a film called, oh, and the final film in the limited release section, a film called Monos. This is a sequel to Monos, Hands of Fate, from 1966, and I'm kidding, if anyone gets that reference, thank you. And it would be interesting to know how many people got that reference from the movie itself and how many people got that reference from Mystery Science Theater 3000. That that would be interesting. And we monos, a faraway mountaintop, eight kids with guns watch over a hostage with a conscripted milk cow. Yes, yes, that that is the premise they're going with. This stars no one and it does have a lot of promise. So you have these kids on a mountaintop, just like it said in the premise, and it's about life that's, it, it seems post-apocalyptic, kind of, but it never really hints at that. The, the way this movie goes, if you watch the trailer, it could go either way that like it's in current times and they're just in the middle of nowhere or it is post-apocalyptic, but it, it was just a little too weird. Well, my future friends, that is it for the limited release section. Let us take a break and hear a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. And we'll be right back with the wide releases and interesting indies. And there are one, two, three, four, five of them. Stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth Podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. And we're back. We are back with the wide releases and interesting indies. So let's start this off with a movie called Tall Girl. At six foot one, Jody is the tallest student in her school. She's always felt uncomfortable in her own skin. She's picked on constantly, and guys don't like dating someone taller than them. After years of being made fun of, she decides she wants things to change. This want to change is sparked by a new exchange student who is taller than her. This stars Sabrina Carpenter from Girl Meets World, Griffin Gluck from American Vandal, Steve Zahn from A Perfect Getaway, Angela Kinsey from The Office, and introducing relative newcomer Ava Michelle as Jody. This is a Netflix original movie going straight to Netflix, not even hitting theaters, so that's one reason it made it into this section. Another reason it passed the limited release section is that it doesn't look bad. It looks standard. It looks like you're 
your standard coming of age movie where we have this character who is who's been bullied her whole life finally decides i've had enough and this movie can just serve as an example of hey look things can get better maybe not as easy as you just deciding you're not going to get picked on anymore because guess what kids are ass well people are ass in general but but there's also the possibility i'm not sure if they're actually going to chase this storyline but there's also the possibility of a kind of a kind of double standard because Griffin Gluck from American Vandal, which by the way, if you haven't seen American Vandal, it's just two seasons and it's hilarious. But Griffin Gluck's character likes um what's her name? Jody likes Jody a lot. Ask has asked her out before and has been repeatedly turned down. And he says in the trailer that says, You don't like getting picked on because you're tall, but you won't date a short guy. So if that's actually a thing in the movie, that makes it interesting that that she has growing to do, that she too has to change if she wants the rest of her life to change and not change in some Sandy from Grease sort of way where, oh, let me compromise everything I am so the guy will like me. Just more of a, I, I should change my mindset, my outlook, and that could help too. But I also wouldn't be very surprised if this movie was completely shallow, just a typical love story. This new guy comes to town. The rich, pretty bitch main antagonist goes right after the guy. And Jody's like, oh, I should go after him too. And then they have a rivalry. This movie is super familiar, um, but it doesn't look terrible. And the fact that it's on Netflix means that you can just watch it anytime. Like, hey, look what time it is. Anytime. Let's watch its film. Tall Girl gets a 5.5 out of 11. And next up, we have a film called The Sound of Silence. A successful house tuner, in sarcastic air quotes, in New York City who calibrates the sound in people's homes in order to adjust their moods meets a client with a problem he can't solve. This stars Peter Skarsgård from Golden State, Rashida Jones from Parks and Recreation, Tony Revolori from Spider-Man Homecoming, Austin Pendleton from Short Circuit, and Bruce Altman from Matchstick Men. And maybe for, for Tony Revolori, I should really say uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, because I think that's that, that's really what put him on the map. And I think Tony Revolori has, has just as much, if not more, potential than Tom Holland does. And I love me some Tom Holland. So in this movie, the main character plays a house tuner. And I would 100% believe if this was real, if this was some rich person bullshit, in the trailer, you see this guy go into someone's house with the recording equipment and he just listens to the sounds of the house, the refrigerator, what sound does the microwave make when it when it runs, the toaster and everything. And in in the trailer, he realizes that the main problem is the toaster. And OK, let me look this up again to find out exactly what it is. He says it's an E-flat toaster problem. So the thing with this character is that it could 100% be made up bullshit. One hundred percent or knowing the state of things knowing what crazy kind of rich people do not just rich people mind you but when you don't have to worry about bills or where your next meal is going to come from or making rent and shit like that then you have more time to grow a little more eccentric so that's why i think there's this idea that the upper class just has more weirdos sophisticated and well-bred weirdos mind you but still weirdos Anyway, this movie looks like a really, really dry rom-com. It's drier than skeleton jizz, okay? And you have to like movies like that. And it's about this guy 
the house tuner who kind of falls for the woman that he's calibrating her house found out it's a toaster. It's an E-flat toaster problem, so he gets her a new toaster. There, you will no longer have anxiety. Yay, everything is fixed. It's all that simple. No, it's not. And so this movie can really tackle this in a couple ways. One of the ways, obviously, is, oh, his whole career, everything he does and believes in is, he whole, is holy bullshit. And this is how he learns it by not being able to help this woman or the E flat toaster was never, ever part of the problem. And maybe she just needs someone to connect to and then he can provide that for her. Just like Tall Girl, this doesn't look great, but it doesn't look bad. It looks okay. It looks like an okay movie. If you ever see this streaming one day to just check it out, check out a really dry comedy and a rom-com and see if... See if it's up your alley. There's a good chance it's not. I bet most of you, most of you listeners out there would never even give this movie a chance. And I'm not trying to sound hoity-toity going, oh, you don't, you are not sophisticated. I am. No, I'm, I'm just saying that I think this looks, it's, it's super specific on who it's made for. I like Rashida Jones. I love Tony Revolori, but they can't make me more interested in this film. It doesn't, once again, it doesn't look bad, but it doesn't look that good. The Sound of Silence gets a five out of 11. Next up, we have a film called Can You Keep a Secret? Thinking they're about to crash, Emma spills her secrets to a stranger on a plane. At least she thought he was a stranger until she meets Jack, her company's young CEO, who now knows every humiliating detail about her. This stars Alexandra Daddario from Texas Chainsaw, Tyler Hochin from Teen Wolf, and Kimiko Glenn from Orange is the New Black. You may have remembered that this movie because I talked about it on the trailer trove once and said that, just guess what? Just guess, just take a wild, wild guess on what I said. Just like the previous two movies, it doesn't look bad, but doesn't look that great. It does look cute, though. I compare Alexandra Daddario to, to Hugh Grant, but younger female and American. American, right? Yes, American. Because she, in most of her movies, she has this charmingly befuddled quality to her that Hugh Grant was really known for in the in the 80s, in the 90s, and early 2000s with movies like Bridget Jones, uh, Mickey Blue Eyes, things just like that. And even though Alexandra Daddario has played a wider variety of people, we see her a lot in these roles where she's this very kind, very sweet, but kind of off, just a little off. And she's a huge klutz or something, and you're just like, aw, isn't she cute? So once again, we have a very formulaic-looking movie, a very predictable-looking movie, and I'm really surprised this is not a Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime original. I'm surprised this is getting any theater time at all, because this movie is perfect for sitting at home one day when you're super bored, don't know what to watch, and you randomly stumble upon this. I don't think it would be bad. Unless you're really picky with your movies, unless you really don't like these very basic, very formulaic romantic comedies, unless you hate those, I don't think you'd be disappointed per se, but I don't think you would necessarily miss out on anything. Even if rom-coms are your jam, even if you love rom-coms, I still think that this movie would be skippable. So for the third movie in a row in the wide releases and interesting indie section, we have a movie that looks not great but not bad. Can You Keep a Secret gets a 6.5 out of 11. All right, folks, two movies left, and the final movie that's not the pick of the week is called Hustlers. 
Inspired by the viral New York Magazine article, Hustlers follows a crew of savvy former strip club employees who band together to turn the tables on their Wall Street clients. This stars Jennifer Lopez from Geely, Constance Wu from Crazy Rich Asians, Julia Stiles from 10 Things I Hate About You, Kiki Palmer from Scream Queens, Lily Reinhardt from Riverdale, and rappers Lizzo and Cardi B. This movie has been getting so much hype and I do not get it. I do not understand it. So I get the whole, we have a main cast that's all female, that's mainly people of color. I get that. I understand why we're excited for that. And I would normally champion a movie like that. And no, some of you may be thinking, oh, is it because there's strippers and you're a prude? No, it's not. (laughs) That's not what it is. It, It just doesn't look good. This just looks trashy. We just have a movie about a bunch of strippers who are getting guys drunk and then convincing them to spend money and then taking that money and using it for their own own means. So they're not technically robbing them per se in a in a technical sense. The guys are agreeing to this, but they're getting blitzed. As Anne just reminded me, we have to put this premise through the fair creep test. If you switch to the genders, if you switch to the sexes of the characters, would this be accepted? So if you had a bunch of male strippers and a bunch of female business uh, business women, and you had the guys getting them all drunk, making out with them and stuff, and then taking their money, would that be okay? Would we still be championing this movie even if the guys, the guy characters had a wide variety of ethnicities? Here's the short answer. No, we wouldn't. The only way a movie like that could be made and not looked at as some misogynistic shit show would be as if it was super indie like maybe even black and white level indie and you know what this is a good cast for the first few people jennifer lopez constance Wu, julia styles kiki palmer I, I think i'm not too familiar with her lily reinhardt i bet is great and the rappers are there too cardi b being in this movie is kind of like eminem being an eight mile it it is you this movie is about you no sh- that you're pretty good in the role. What was that creepy ass? Sh- was it was it Cardi B that got in, that got in some trouble or got some heat from people for doing something just like this? It is. I just looked up this old article. Actually, let me see how old. Oh, from actually earlier this year from Vox that said Cardi B says she used to drug and rob men. So just remember, I I really want this to become a thing. The thing. That before you blatantly accept a premise, switch the genders, is it still okay? But let's get off that topic really quick and talk about just the movie as a whole. I still think looks looks trashy. I'm I'm glad that J-Lo may be getting her renaissance. I like her, okay? I think that she is a good actress. She still has untapped potential. She was really good in Selena. I, I like her, I, or I liked her in that show Shades of Blue, even though I didn't watch it a whole lot, but when I watched it, I thought she was really good. I just don't think this role is the one that's going to get her an Oscar nomination. It, it You know, it may just because the movie gets so big that people in the Academy feel like they have to, or maybe they have consumed the same Kool-Aid that the rest of the world is taking to make this movie seem so big. This movie doesn't look that interesting. If you want woman power, if you want women of color power, if you just want people in general of color power, there are far, far better movies to watch than this. Hustlers gets a 5 out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the pick of the week. And this week, for episode 150, the pick of the week is called The Goldfinch. This follows Theo 
a young man who lost his mother in a terrorist attack on the Metropolitan Museum of Art. As he grows older, the repercussions of the attack and his inadvertent theft of a famous painting have long-reaching consequences. This stars Oakes Fegley from Wonderstruck and Ansel Elgore from Baby Driver as young and older Theo. This stars also stars Finn Wolfhard from It, Anurin Barnard from Dunkirk, Jeffrey Wright from Westworld, Nicole Kidman from Batman Returns, Luke Wilson from Old School, Sarah Paulson from American Horror Story, Willa Fitzgerald from Scream the TV series, and Dennis O'Hare from Dallas Buyers Club. I think I mentioned this movie once or twice on the show because I, I was reading, well, reading with sarcastic air quotes, I was listening to the book, and I really liked it despite the book having certain things that normally piss me off about books. The story still was so good that I, I liked it all the way through. I do have a couple concerns going into this. I, I really do, but the concerns aren't enough to keep me from seeing this. The first concern is the obvious thing. So this is based off a book, and it's based off a long book. The copy Anne has is 771 pages. That is being turned into a two-hour, 29-minute movie. Guess what? They're going to have to cut some shit. And I'm really wondering if the story will be as effective cut down so much. The other thing is, and I may sound like a hypocrite at first, but please bear with me. Early reviews are coming in and they're bad. And you know me, normally I don't like movie reviews. I think movie critics are scum and I think they forget that movies should be fun. But here's the thing. This movie should be the kind of stuff that makes them cream their pants at the very thought of it. This movie should be something they love. It's based on a Pulitzer Prize winning book. It has an amazing cast. It's a straight up artsy drama, but no creaming in pants going on. Not at all. Instead, they're shitting bricks because they're not liking it. And that does that does make me wonder what what's up. If we're if we were talking about a Marvel movie or uh, a or is any other Disney movie or just another, a big blockbuster and bad reviews were coming in, I would probably just say, well, f the critics. Okay, still fuck the critics. This doesn't change my thoughts on them, but when a movie comes out that should be right up their alley, that should give them the biggest boner, and it doesn't, I'm a little Cosernicus. But let's put all that aside. Let's sweep that under the rug. And let's talk about the trailer instead. The trailer makes me excited. I watched the first trailer before I even read the book and I was intrigued. I read the book and I'm still intrigued. I want to see these characters that I that I heard about. More so, I want to see all of the side characters instead because more often than not, Theo was just kind of a, a wet blanket that existed and things happened around him. And Anne felt the same way about this and she's the one that helped me put into words that I loved the first part, and then the second part, it just, the, the enjoyment went down. I still liked it, I didn't hate it, but my my love of the first part of the book, maybe the first third of the book, was outstanding, and it just, it, with each next third, it just went down and down a little more. And what saved this book was Theo's friends and the people he knows, and just the painting, and, the, and what happened to the painting, and just finding out how it's all going to end. Because he's a child, he's 13, when the bomb, when the attack happens, because he's involved in this attack too, and he miraculously survives, and he takes the painting, so you think, oh, nothing bad will happen to him, because he's a kid, and he was scared, but he doesn't know that, so he keeps it. And then throughout the whole book, I just had this lump growing in my stomach, going, this can't end well, this can't end well, this cannot end well. 
And I'm not going to tell you if it ended well or not, because that would be a spoiler. Instead, I will say if you have the time to read a 771 page book and you like a just a basic drama, this is it. It was a good book. Hopefully the movie will be good, too. If you don't think you want to read such a long book or listen to a 32 hour, 45 minute audiobook then maybe just check out the movie and hey if you check out the movie first and you like it then read the book because the book is probably going to be better so despite what the critics are saying i still think this movie has a lot of promise and even though their dislike of the movie does give me a little pause i'm still going to go in with fresh eyes with a fresh mind and watch the film on my own well with Anne, but you know without anything coloring my viewing the gold finch gets a nine out of eleven All right, my future fans, let us take our final break and we'll come back with a question of the week and then a little something I came up with for episode 150. Please stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're We're doing doing fine. All right, we are back. We are back with the show. And before we get into the question of the week, let me tell you what this little thing I did is. It's nothing big. Once again, I'm sorry. No giveaway. Uh, maybe I'll start saving up, putting putting my pocket change aside, and for episode episode 200, maybe I'll do a giveaway or something. But what I did is I went back on the various sites I use for my show notes, and I went back to June 16th, 2016, when this show premiered, and I looked at all the movies that have come out since then, I put all the ones I liked down on a list, and I made a final list of 10 movies that are my favorite favorite movies that came out between June 2016 and now. And the rules are, of course, I had to have seen it, duh, but also it didn't have to be in theaters. I could have watched it yesterday and loved it and have it had come out in 2016. But as long as I saw it and it came out between 2016, June 2016, and now it could be on the list. I also came up with my five most hated movies from that time. On top of this, uh, Anne and I were going to work on my very first YouTube video and I could start doing some YouTube videos, which I've been talking about for a very, very long time, but I actually want to start doing. But before I give you my my lists, I want to go re-go over the question of the week. The question of the week was very similar. It was, what was your favorite movie between June 2016 and now? So the only answer we got from outside the family was Evan, who said, and it really shocked me, Ready Player One. And the reason it shocked me is because Ready Player One was on my short list for most hated films of, of that time. But you know what? Evan and I line up with quite a few things and like a lot of the same movies, but we are also still very different too. And I bet you there are movies I love that he would hate and vice versa. So thank you, Evan, for your answer. The next answer comes from Anne, who says Halloween. A great answer. Halloween was actually on the list of movies I was considering for my top for my top 10, but didn't quite make the cut. I did, I did really like it. I thought 
this Halloween, even though it retconned all of the others except one, I thought was a was a really well done horror. I thought it captured Michael Myers perfectly. I, I thought it was really good. She almost chose A Star Is Born, uh, but and I bet you she would have if I would have been as nice to her as I was to myself and gave her ten instead of one. So it is time for my list. I have actually decided to have most hated film be the question of the week for next week. So I'll give you my list then. So for now, let me give you my list, my final list of top 10 favorite movies for the past three years and three months. And so in no particular order, we have Hacksaw Ridge, A Monster Calls, Love, Simon, Your Name, Detective Pikachu, Into the Spider-Verse, A Star is Born, It Chapter 1, Shazam, and Avengers Endgame. Two honorable mentions were Annabelle Creation and Get Out and A Star is... Not A Star is Born and uh, Dunkirk. All movies that were once on the actual list, but I took it off for something else. And if I had to really, really challenge myself and pick my favorite movie out of those 10, it would have to be Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge was, was a truly amazing film. It was really well done on every aspect and i think andrew garfield did a fantastic fantastic job so i know i mentioned a youtube video i actually don't have an eta for that i can't tell you when it will be coming out but it will basically be be me talking about my lists and why each movie made it but let's talk about the question for next week you already know what it is what film that's released between june 2016 and now have you hated the most I have a top five, but my friends, I'm asking you to pick one. If you cannot narrow it down to one, I will accept two. But which film between June 2016 and now did you hate the most? And if you want to hurt my heart and pick one of my most loved, that's fine. Whatever. Well, my future friends, that is it for episode 150. We are halfway through on the way to 200. This show is 1,182 days old that we have been on for three years, two months, and 26 days, or 38 months, 26 days, 102,124,800 seconds, 1,702,080 minutes, or 28,368 hours. Thank God for the internet having random ass sites. Am I right? My future friends, it has been a wonderful journey and I thank you. We we have grown. We have grown a lot since the show started. I remember way back when, when we were trying to break a hundred listeners, we were like, oh, we got to break a hundred listeners. And then without even realizing it, we broke a thousand. And you know what? The growth may have stalled a little, but thank you each and every one of you who have come back. And thank you even to those who tried listening and it wasn't your thing. Thank you for just trying. But for all of you who are longtime listeners, all of you who have subscribed on any sort of podcast app, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am just some nerd in shorts and a Mario t-shirt sipping throat ease tea. (laughs) And I'm just talking to a microphone and not even that well. So I really, really appreciate it. Let us wrap this show up with the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as any podcast app. You can also find me on the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. All the stars possible. And then share the podcast with your friends. That is how we grow. And how do you reach me? That's a great question. 
Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please support us on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts, which are also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Support the friends of the shows whose ads you've heard during this episode. And don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.